Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We come to the service tonight of Good Friday. And it's such a special time that we gather as believers, as a church family. If you're a guest with us, you are welcome to be here and worshiping with us. But the purpose of a Good Friday service is to remember, to remember the significance of what Jesus did for us. And that's the heart of tonight is that we would take a moment and we would remember. We wouldn't rush through it. We wouldn't try to skip over it. We would come to the foot of the cross and we'd pause and we'd wait and we'd look and we'd take it in as hard as it feels to do that's what we're going to do that's what God invites us to do tonight it's much like out of Isaiah 53 when which is a prophetic chapter about the sacrifice of Jesus Isaiah writes that what they would do to Jesus to the Savior of the world he would be so marred that men would want to hide their faces from it But friends, it's important that we don't hide our faces and we look. I want to begin tonight by praying and just asking the Lord to minister to us because I believe, I believe he wants to touch us deeply tonight. So if you will, pray with me. Father, we come before you this evening. to look intently at your love, to gaze upon the reality of what that love looks like. And so Lord, we have purposely, as you know, we've simplified the service tonight to keep your love at the center. So, Lord, move in our hearts tonight. Meet us where we are and all, we are all on different journeys and different places. But we all need you. And we recognize we need you. Because we showed up tonight to meet with you and to look. And so, Lord, we commit this, these next few moments to you and we open our hearts. God, may no one here tonight keep their hearts closed or hidden because of shame or because of failure or because of something about their life that they feel insecure. But God, today and tonight, we, we open our hearts fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by reading 
a good portion of, of scripture today regarding the events of Jesus leading up to his crucifixion. And in John chapter 19, it begins. It says, Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Moving to verse 16, so they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this inscription from the place where Jesus was crucified near the city and it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to be in his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge of the sour wine on, hyssop, on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Matthew records this. 
at the time of his death. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is the setting. The biblical account of the crucifixion of the Son of God. We need to note as we come to this moment, as we gaze upon these things, we, we need to, to know that the whole method of crucifixion was designed for a purpose. It was designed to punish. It was designed to be the worst punishment that anyone could receive. It was to inflict pain. It was to humiliate. It was to rob a person of their, of their humanity, of their dignity, of their uh, identity, and it would break the individual and ultimately kill them. I, I want you tonight to, to see Jesus, to see him as they placed him on a cross. But even before that, to see him when they placed the cross upon him, to carry it. After Pilate gave him over, they placed on him a cross. And I want you just to picture for a moment that he left the place of where, where that conviction happened and he was given over to crucifixion and he began to walk. And he began to walk under the, the weight of a cross. As he steps out into the streets, as he begins to make his way to the hill that he would die on, the street begins to fill with people who are curious and want to come and celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus. So they run to the edges of the streets and they, they gaze upon him and they're filled with rage and anger and they unleash from the depths of their hatred, their venomous, foul insults and anger. And he continues to carry his cross to Calvary. He is mocked, he is ridiculed, he is spat upon, he is beaten, his beard is ripped from his face, his eyes and his brow are swollen. The crown of thorns has been beaten and fastened to his skull by the thorns of which it held. His back ribs are exposed from the scourging of the whip. And those that Jesus came to save, those that Jesus came to love, those that Jesus came to serve, are the ones who are standing and cheering with glee on his way to suffer and to die. 
absolute total rejection. Jesus makes his way up the hill and he makes his way to Golgotha. And now the soldiers stretch him on the cross, taking one arm and pulling it to the other side and the other one to the other side. And now they begin to fasten his hands and his feet to a wooden cross with spikes. And they nail those spikes in his wrists and between the bones. That's what holds him there. I want you to consider tonight the backdrop of why. The motivation of what is happening. What is the motivation of this horrific scene? And I want you to just to, to gaze upon the cross tonight, knowing that the whole backdrop, the whole reason why this was taking place, the whole reason why we are here tonight is because of the most well-known verse of all of Scripture, but we don't understand, really, what it means that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son gave him for what? For this. This is the horrific event. And it's done because of that word that we just read out of John 3.16, out of love. And so this begs the question tonight, what kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? The truth is this is the kind of love that the world has never seen and the world will never see again. We so often rush to resurrection day. We rush to the empty tomb. We rush to the celebration. But we first must stop and pause and gaze and look upon the love of God that was demonstrated to us and for us on Friday. And as we pause, we, we, we fix our, our gaze, we fix our eyes. And if we allow ourselves to, we, we, we watch and we listen. And what we see and what we hear It's God's love. But what is this love? This love that we, we see the abuse, we, we, we see the gruesomeness of it, we see the, the treachery, we see the betrayal. We, but there's another, there's another thing that we see Jesus on the cross, in his final breaths, he cries out to his father. And he says, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? A lot has been said about this over the ages. A lot of debate on what's happening and why did he say this? But what we know the Bible speaks of that God is one. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Their unity cannot be divided. They are in perfect unity, perfect harmony. The Bible tells us that Jesus and the Father were one. Jesus speaks about it in John 5, 19. I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. They are walking in perfect unity. John 10, Jesus says, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay my life down only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. They are, they are working together. So they're in perfect unity, but at this moment, on the cross, Jesus cries out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did God abandon his son? What is happening? Did God abandon God? Was their unity broken at this moment? Is the father forcing the son to do something he doesn't want to do? Is the son doing what the father says out of fear of his anger or his demands? That's not what's going on. What we see and what we hear in this moment is God the Father and God the Son working in tandem, working in unity for something that deeply unites them together there's a purpose. And what unites them in this moment, and friends, I want you just to hear this tonight. What unites them is their love for you. And their love for a lost and broken humanity that without them, they will forever be lost. But they're working in tandem. They have two identities, father and son. Their identities cannot be divided, but they can be, they can be distinguished. The God-man Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, fully man, fully flesh, He's on the cross, deeply wounded physically, wounded emotionally. And out of all the people, he's abandoned. By his father. 
This is a relationship of the Father and the Son that's been closer than anything that we could ever imagine. Never separated, never, never, there was never any distance. They were perfect unity. And Jesus, we know as he came to this earth, he came to fully become everything that we are And fully, he goes to the place where you and I are. He goes all the way to where we are. And where we are, without him, is we are cut off from God. Because of our own rebellion, because of our own sin, because we were born under the curse of sin, because of the heart of humanity. And Jesus goes at this moment, at this point, all the way to us. And then he who knew no sin became sin, which is us. He became us. And at the moment that Jesus, who had never felt sin, never felt he was perfect, Never felt regret, never felt shame. At this moment, he bore upon himself every sin that would ever be committed. He bore the shame, he bore the guilt, he bore the the pain, he bore the regret, he bore it all. God placed it on his son. The son took it willingly. And at that moment, Jesus went all the way where where we are, cut off, and he became us. And he cries, my God, why? And he was alone. He became alone. He became, he stepped into our aloneness from God. He stepped into our, our, the veil that keeps us from, he stepped into it and became us. What was it at this moment? What was it that held the Father at bay? What was it that caused Jesus not to call on the angels to come and save him that he mentioned to Peter earlier in the garden? What was it for Jesus to say, I'm not doing this. For God to say, these people have rejected me at every turn, everywhere I go. Every time I try to help them, they say, we don't want you. What was it that they together continued? It was their love for you and me. After Jesus cries out to God, asking him, his father, why? Jesus cries out, with a loud voice written in Luke 23. Okay, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Jesus cries, I want you to see this tonight. Jesus cries, why have you forsaken me? And the next breath, 
Into your hands I commit my spirit. Have you ever cried, God, where are you? Have you ever been in this moment where you go, God, I don't understand. But I trust you in this moment. Or God, what is going on? What is happening? This is the worst thing I've ever been through. This is, I'm broken, I'm hurting. God, where are you? Into your spirit, though I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. God, I trust you. God, I give you my spirit and my life. God, I don't understand, but I give it to you. Why did Jesus do this? Become, because he became alone, separated from God, like us. He entered our aloneness, listen, listen to me, with us and for us. He became us. For the purpose that when Sunday comes, he will go all the way to our aloneness and then bring us all back with him into victory so that we would never have to be alone. He would not only conquer sin and death, he would conquer our aloneness. He would conquer our distance. He would close the gap. He would rip the veil that separated us. He went behind it. He went to it. He came to our, to our filthy, destructive habits, our filthy, destructive minds, our emotions. He came, he became what kept us from God. He couldn't rescue us unless he went to us and became us. He did it so that we would never have to be alone. And through our faith in God, through Christ, no matter what we feel, no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, we will never be alone. Never, ever endure suffering alone. Never walk through abandonment alone. Jesus has already been there. In our where are you God moments, it's in those moments because of what Jesus has done, we can find peace. We can commit ourselves into his hands. In our, in our failures, in our sins, friends, we are now no longer alone. In our pain, we are not alone. In our brokenness and in our struggling, in our broken, broken and struggling relationships, when we're hurting, when our hearts are pierced, we are not alone. When you are betrayed, you're not alone. When we lose loved ones, we're not alone. In our addictions, we're not alone. In our doubts and our questions, when we're abused, when we're taken advantage of, or when we're paying the price for something else, for something someone else did, and now we're responsible for it, we are never alone. We have a friend now that 
sticks closer than a brother. We've got a God that looks at us and doesn't see our, our brokenness, our failures, our sin, our pain. He sees the righteousness of his son because his son became us and then took us and brought us back and walked with us out of the grave so that we could have victory. Because the father allowed his son to bear the weight of our sin, our shame, and to break the curse of sin, that which was separation from our creator. And he sets us free. He transforms us from darkness because he became it into light because that's who he is. To take us from our separation with God, from God, and bring us into unity with him. It is a good Friday because Jesus became everything that we are everything. There was not a piece of us that he did not become. He became everything that we would ever experience. You think, no, but my past is too much. I've failed. I've embarrassed myself. I've embarrassed my family. I, I, I just, I can't, I, I'm, I'm, I can't do it. I can't go on. What Jesus did on the cross, it says, yes, you can, because I have bore uh, what you feel. I have bore the, the weight, the sin, the consequence of what you feel. And if you will put your trust in me, you are not alone, and I will walk with you. That you will never have to be alone again. Jesus bore our rejection. He bore our sorrow. And it was done because... He loves you. For God so loved you. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, can find hope and never be alone. The apostle Paul describes what this love is. So God so loved, okay. What did, what did Paul say love is? He said love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere, because love never fails. There is no greater place, no greater place of all of eternity that that was shown more than by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit at the cross. 
And the object of that love is you. It's you. Do you deserve it? No. But are you worth it? Yes. If we tonight were to put all of our secrets that we're ashamed of up on a screen and just scroll through them. We would run. But Jesus became those secrets so that you could be free from them. They don't define you anymore. He does. Because he's taken you into his family. You're the object of his love. Whatever it is that you're facing, you're not alone. Whatever it is that you failed in, Jesus went there for you and became that failure so that he could escort you from darkness to light and bring you out of your dead deeds and your deadness and your aloneness and give you victory. But it is at that moment, it is at the cross where this takes place that he became you. And that's what's so good about Good Friday. And what blows my mind, it says that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. What joy? You. The joy of bringing you into relationship with God, the joy of healing you from your moments of pain and being present with you now, the joy of seeing the Spirit of God restore areas in your own life that you thought could never be restored or healing areas in your heart you never thought could be healed, the joy of watching you release unforgiveness that you have held and it has riddled you your whole life. But Jesus sees the joy. And so he endures the cross for you. That's what's so good about Good Friday. You are never alone. You are forgiven. And in your moments of imperfectness, which we all have it, are moments of failures, moments that we sin. He reminds us that's not who you are. You're with me now. You're forgiven. That's what's so good about Good Friday. And so we tonight remember. And we take a moment and we take communion and we remember. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he says, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. 
One of my favorite passages out of John 13 is that Jesus is with his disciples and he's, they're, doing the, they're having the Passover meal and he starts to, to wash his, his disciples' feet. They're like, what are you doing? No, 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 that's not for you to do. And Jesus says, you have no idea of why I came. I came to go to the depths where you don't want me to even go, but I'm going there. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to wash your feet. And that is what he's done. And he did it for you. If we can, let's stand to our feet tonight. In just a, just a moment, we're going to take communion. And we're going to remember. But before we come, I want us just to close our eyes just for a moment. And in, in your mind's eye, I want you to see Jesus. Suffering. And anguish. Feeling alone for the first time ever. And I want you to see him look at you right now. I want you to hear him say, I did it for you. Look at him in your mind's eye and hear him say I did it for you so that you will never be alone Lord we come to the table on the night that you were betrayed You said, I'm making a new covenant with my own blood. And so, Lord, today we come. And we remember the significance of the cross. Amen. Go ahead and make your way out. We have our communion tables are here, and then there's some in the, in the rows back there. And grab your communion cup, and you can make your way back to your seat, and then we will all take it together. And while we're doing that, just, just continue to keep a spirit and attitude of thankfulness for what Jesus has done.
of plastic off your wafer sits right underneath there then you peel off the foil one doesn't fully appreciate the empty tomb you appreciate what happened at the cross so tonight we gaze we recognize that his body represented us and his blood was poured out for us and so with great joy and great humility that's what the cross should always do. It should always humble a person. We take it, we eat. The wafer represents the body of Jesus that was, that was completely us. And in his body, he bore suffering and pain. His manness, his humanity, was us and by the stripes on his back we are healed by the nails in his hands we are no longer slaves to sin by the crown on his head we are no longer bound to the old way of thinking by the nail in his feet we are no longer a slave and we just go wherever our flesh leads us no now we now walk in the pathways of righteousness by the piercing of his side, we no longer have a heart of stone. We now have a heart of flesh that is open and sensitive to him. And so we take and we eat the wafer together. The juice represents his blood. It wasn't spilt, it wasn't accidentally taken. As we, as we read, no one takes his life. He lays it down willingly. His choice, his work, him and the Father and the Spirit working together for us. And so after the blood was poured out, after that sacrifice of Jesus was made on the cross, Scripture says there is no need for another sacrifice in all of eternity because the sacrifice, the lamb had been slain for the remission of sins for all. There is no more penalty for sin. There is no, it has been paid. The debt has been paid. Your, your debt of sin, your debt of shame, your debt of everything, it was stamped, paid in full with the ink of the blood of Jesus Christ. Done, 
over. It's not there anymore. We can move on. And we are delivered and set free by the blood. Let's drink of it tonight. Lord, we thank you tonight for your sacrifice for the cross. Father, we thank you for sending. Jesus, we thank you for becoming us. Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you gave Jesus strength on the cross. And today, we remember, we remember, and we say thank you. 